Amen. Wonderful time of worship this morning. And again, Happy New Year to you. Welcome to 2022. And traditionally, a lot of people make goals as we begin a new year. And I want to challenge you to make it your goal this year to make some ripples with your life. And I don't know what that will look like for you, but here's something I do know. In fact, this is the the key thought this morning. God wants you to make some ripples with your life in 2022. You remember the movie Forrest Gump? It starts with this beautiful cinematography, a feather just floating around in the breeze, kind of mesmerizing. And then at the end of the movie, you see it again. There's a feather floating around in the breeze. And in the movie, there's a scene where Forrest is standing at the grave of his wife, Jenny. And Jenny died at 35 because of a series of bad choices she made with her life. He's standing there at Jenny's graveside, and he's just heartbroken. He's expressing his thoughts and his feelings out loud to Jenny. He's pondering the meaning of life. And he says, I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all floating around accidental-like, like that feather on a breeze. So let me ask you, I mean, do we all just show up accidental-like and sort of float around hither and thither like a feather on a breeze, or or do we have a destiny? And that's the question every person on this planet has to come to grips with at some point in his or her life. And think about it. If we just show up accidental-like and float around accidental-like, like a feather on a breeze, then there is no destiny. And if there is no destiny, there is no purpose. And if there is no purpose, there is no plan. And if there is no plan, there is no right. There is no wrong. There is no truth. It's all just one great big whatever. And by the way, that word consistently, year after year, in the English language, is voted the most hated word. Whatever. Why should I care? But hasn't it been your experience so far that life doesn't seem to shout that out to us? Rather, it seems to say to us that there's this loving God who sets these loving boundaries, a God who has a plan for our lives. I believe that there's a God who says, I have a plan for you. Come on. You're not here accidental-like. I didn't create you to just float around. I created you for a destiny. And the Word of God backs that up. I want to take you to just a few different Scripture verses. And as we come to each one, I'm going to ask you to read it out loud with me. First of all, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And I'm sure many of you know this verse by heart. But maybe, maybe for, for someone here, for the very first time as you hear this, you're going to hear God speaking it directly to you. 
So read it with me. Please join me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That doesn't sound like a a whatever kind of existence to me, does it to you? Sounds like we have this heavenly Father who's just crazy about us, a God who, who has a plan for our lives. And look at this next verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, from the message. Now read this with me. Let's read it out loud. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Now that doesn't sound like a whatever kind of existence to me either. Does it to you? Now, it sounds like we have this God who thought of us first before he even laid the foundations of the earth. We were the object of his love. And look at what it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And again, let's read this out loud together. Join me. I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Now, that doesn't sound like a whatever kind of existence either. It sounds like we've got this God who wants to do something in us, who wants to do something through us until that day when Jesus Christ comes back. He's got plans for our lives. And one more verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 And again, let's read this out loud together. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. That doesn't sound like a whatever kind of existence to me either. It sounds like we have a God who has a destiny in mind for us. And so I think you've got a choice. You can float around accidental-like, like a feather on a breeze, or, or you can put your life into the hands of the destiny maker, and you can make a difference with your life. When I was 15 years old, or thereabouts, I did that. At that time, let's just say I was riding the fence, confused. And maybe you grew up in church like I did. I haven't checked, literally, but I think I was in church the very first Sunday of my life. I'm pretty sure I went directly from the hospital nursery to the church cradle roll. And church, church for me was uh, like a spoke on a wheel. There was school, there was sports, There was work. I was working in a grocery store, and there was church. And somehow, in all of that, I missed the fact that Jesus Christ wanted to be the hub. He didn't just want to be one of many spokes. And that this God who had a great plan for my life wanted all of my life, all of my life, to revolve around a personal relationship with Him. All I knew was I, I was this religious guy, decent kid, went to church whenever the doors were open, 
but I was just kind of going through the motions at that point. And my best buddies at church started to get into booze and then drugs and the whole partying scene. And they kept coming to church, you know, probably because their parents made them or just out of habit. And I was forced to make some choices. They supplied me with ample invitations to go to the same parties that they were going to and with offers of a whole variety of drugs. And as I said, I I was straddling the fence and facing a choice of huge magnitude. It was a huge crossroads. Do I follow their lead and take them up on their invitations, or do I choose a straighter path, which at that point seemed rather dull, unappealing, and unreal to me? But one thing I know, and that's I didn't want to be a phony. And the pressure from my friends and the tension inside me to get this thing resolved and decide, it was just growing and growing. It was building. And one night, a bunch of us were standing around the church lobby, bored, and someone said, let's blow this pad. That's how we talked back then. Let's let's blow this pad and go over to this other church across town where there are some revival meetings going on, and he had heard that they were well attended, and he said, quote, at least there will be some good-looking girls there. And so we jumped in the car and drove over, and when we got there, it was standing room only. And the ushers were, were scrambling to set up metal folding chair rows at the back of the church. And so we sat in one of those rows, and I was stuck in the middle of the row, and my friends were sitting on this side of me. I remember which side of the church we were on. This side of me uh, toward the aisle. And that night, the, the speaker spoke from the book of Hosea, a rather obscure Old Testament prophet. I don't know if you've read the book of Hosea. If you haven't, you need to. And if you've already read the book of Hosea, read it again. You know, it's really a parable of God's unrelenting unconditional, outrageous love for us, and the length and cost he goes to to buy us out of slavery to sin, ultimately culminating in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. And at the end of the service, Billy Walker, the evangelist, gave an invitation for anyone who wanted to give their lives completely to God, even as Jesus Christ came and gave his life completely for us. And I felt this incredible stirring from the Holy Spirit to go forward with a broken spirit and to love and serve this God who would do all of that for me. And I don't know how I had missed it before, but I wasn't going to let this opportunity go by. I had to respond. I had to move. I had to pray. I had to get counsel. I had to do something. But to get from where I was to the front of the church, I had to get past these friends who were sitting next to me. And it was tight. And so, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sure they wondered, what what is up with him? But I got out to the aisle, and, and walking down, it seemed like a mile that aisle, it was getting off the fence time. It was getting that... 2,000-pound gorilla off my back. You know, imagine the relief. 
I went forward and said, God, you know, I'm tired of riding the fence. I'm yours. I'm yours. Your love has won me over. Whatever you want from me, it's yours. I want to follow you. And tonight, God, I'm signing up for wherever you want to take me in my life. I don't care where it is. I don't care how much it costs. And you might say that night through the grace of Jesus Christ, I went from wherever to wherever, wherever, Lord. And I never dreamed that God would take me to the places he's taken me to. Or that I would get to do the things that I've gotten to do. And some of my friends and former teachers, when they hear yeah, I'm in ministry, they're shocked. They, they, they can't believe it. Because I, I was pretty much a handful. I know that's hard to believe. Or you know, maybe not so hard to believe. But I would have missed out on so much had I not surrendered my life and gone on this great adventure with my destiny maker. I mean, so many people, so many people never really live. And some people make such a a mystical thing of knowing God's will for their life. I found on this great adventure that finding God's will is mostly about following His Word and following His voice and, and all those little nudges and promptings from the Holy Spirit to get me to do things. I meet so many people who have never known what that's about. They never get to feel that they're being used by God. They never have the passion of Christ surging through their veins. They have no purpose. And the real sad thing is, that's true of some Christ followers. In the number of churches I've been in, I've seen a lot of bored guys Guys who have no purpose, guys who have no passion in their lives. They just do the same old every day. You know what I'm talking about? They get up at the same old time, walk into the same old bathroom, look at the same old face in the same old mirror, and step in the same old shower, dry off with the same old towel, put on the same old clothes, walk down to the same old kitchen, get out the same old bowl pour the same old cereal into the bowl, drink the same old coffee, kiss the same old wife goodbye. (laughs) Get And then they get in the same old car, drive the same old way to the same old job, sit at the same old desk, listen to the same old jokes told by the same old boss, same old way, clock out at the same old time, get back in the same old car, drive back down the same old street, pull in the same old garage, walk in the same old kitchen, eat the same old dinner, get up and go to the same old chair, click on the same old wheel of fortune, fall asleep in the same old chair, get up and go to the same old bed, ask that same old wife the same old question, get the same old answer, roll over, set the alarm clock, and get up at the same old time, do the same old thing all over again. Uh, And for many people, for many people, that's their life. That's their life. 
And I don't think that's what God had in mind when he said, I know the plans I have for you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do the same all. I want my life to matter. I want to make some ripples with my life. There was a group of 95-year-olds. They got them all together and asked them the question, if you had your life to live over again, what would you do differently? And they responded in three ways. First of all, they said, if we could do life all over again, we would reflect more. We would slow down. We would learn to live in the present and savor each moment. We wouldn't get so stressed out about the past or so stressed about the future. We would soak in the moments. That's number one. Second thing they said, we would risk more. Yeah, we would risk more, take more chances. We would see life like it's this great adventure in which you're not going to get any fruit unless you're way out there on the limb. Number two, take more rest. Third thing they said, if I had it to do all over again, I would do something with my life that would live on long after I'm gone. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait until I'm 95 to say those things or to do those things. I want to reflect now. I want to take more rest now. I want to do something with my life right now that's going to live on long after I'm dead and gone. Now, I know how some of you get into a swimming pool. And I've seen this down at the river when we do baptisms with people going out into the water. But, you know, swimming, go to the shallow end and stick in, you know, big toe and go, whoo, that, that is cold. And then you put a foot, whoa, that is cold. And then, and then a calf, whoa, and then, you know, a thigh, whoa, and the waist, whoa. And, you know, all the way in, it's just, whoo, whoo, whoo. Now, that is cold. That's not a way to get into a swimming pool, right? You know, the right way to get into the swimming pool, you go down to the deep end, you clear a little path, take a few running steps, and you launch up into the air and tuck your knees up into your chest, and it's look out below, cannonball. And when you splash down, when you hit the water, the ripples go out to the side of the pool and they come back in and they go back out and they come back in and they go back out. They come back in and they go back out. They come back in and they go back out. And if you're really big, they go back out and they come back in and they go back out. And there's no water left in the pool. And I think, that, I think that's the, the way Jesus calls us to live our lives. God says, you've got one shot at this deal. I know the plans I have for you. Jump in and make some ripples for Jesus and for my kingdom. And maybe, maybe you'll touch a life who will 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 touch a life. The ripples go out. I think of Derek Gooding in Bismarck, North Dakota, I met him on a bus full of men on our way home from a Promise Keepers conference in, in Boulder, Colorado. We were riding the bus through the night to get back home. And some guys were sleeping or trying to sleep. And other guys were playing cards and laughing. And, and others were watching television. There were monitors, television, television sets uh, throughout the bus. And they were watching a Western, I think it was Wyatt Earp, Tombstone. And, you know, you could hear the loud gunfire and, and the, 
the dialogue that was going on. And so I looked to the back of the bus, and there was Derek sitting there alone, kind of deep in thought. And I, I went to the back of the bus to get away from the noise, but I introduced myself to Derek and sit, sat across from him. We started talking, and his story just poured out. He was in the National Guard, and his wife had just divorced him, tired of his drinking and going out with the guys, selfish behavior, and got his attention when she did that. And then one of our guys from church invited him to Promise Keepers. And he said, I just can't get some of those talks out of my mind. But I'm not sure that God would forgive me for being such a jerk. He said, I wish I, wish I had it to do over. And we talked about Jesus' amazing offer of grace and a second chance. And that night, riding in the back of that bus, Derek received that grace, surrendered his broken life to Jesus Christ. And when we returned home, he, he made a serious effort to reconcile with his ex-wife, but she shunned him and said, it's too late. It's over. It didn't work. And she had taken up with another guy. She said she couldn't trust him. But there was no going back on his commitment to Christ. He grew by leaps and bounds in his relationship with Jesus and his understanding of following Him, following God's Word. He started working with youth and was used by God to, to reach some young people who had been unreachable. It was obvious God's anointing was upon him. And so we brought him on as an intern youth director at the church. And before long, he sensed God's call to full-time ministry and off to seminary he went to further his training. He met a, a woman there named Tanya. And I remember many conversations on the phone about whether this was the one, the biblical teaching on remarriage. And to make a, a long story short, uh, he married her. They had twins before he graduated from seminary. And right out of seminary, he took a position as a pastor of, of a mission covenant church up in Alaska. And he had a tremendous outreach to the Native American men in the community who were battling with addictions. And God had healed Derek from the inside out, and he was using him to minister from his own place of pain. And when he shared the, the stories of what was happening, I was just dumbstruck by God's grace and all the ripples that were going out from Derek. And then a, a number of years later, Derek felt called back to one of his loves, the U.S. military. He enlisted as a chaplain right after 9-11. They moved to the Pacific Northwest. And then I got a call from Tanya. I could tell she was nervous. She told me Derek had volunteered to be one of the first to head over to Iraq with the troops. And so we prayed together. That was something Derek felt called to do. He wanted to do. And he served there for a good number of years. And I started hearing stories of the incredible privilege Derek had of leading soldiers to Christ by the scores and baptizing them, seeing them grow in their relationship with Christ. And who knows, who knows how those soldiers impacted 
their friends and family back home. But you see how it works. Just one life who touches a life, who touches a life, who touches a life, who touches a life, who touches a life. And those ripples continue, you know, long after the initial splash. There's a pastor I I appreciate. He's written a book by this title, Making Ripples. And that book inspired me, even as I was working on this message. His name is Mike Bro. He was pastoring a church in Lexington, Kentucky. He tells about a a man named Harold. Mike Bro says, Harold was the biggest redneck I'd ever met. And he said, Harold would be the first to say so himself. And Bro says, it was fun to hear Harold tell his story. He would stand up and say, yeah, my name's Harold, and I used to be this dirty, filthy, trash can of a man. But now I'm a bright, clean, shiny trash can of a man. You know, Jesus Christ cleaned my life up. And so Bro had Harold and his small group come up on to the platform one Sunday, and he had them sit on stools that were set up across the stage in no particular order. He just said, Harold, why don't you bring your, your small group up here and let me interview you for a few minutes? And after they were seated, he turned to Harold first and he said, Harold, how did you come to have your life turned around? Because Harold had told bro right up front, you've never met anyone living in such darkness as I was living in, or as far from God as I was. And bro said, that was true. He had never met anyone quite like Harold. But Harold got his life turned around. He had come to know God, the the, the destiny maker who wanted to do something with his life. And bro asked Harold, how did all that start for you? And he looked down those stools at the far end and pointed. He said, Stephen, down there. Yeah, Stephen and I were fishing buddies. And Stephen told me I needed to get my life together, needed to give my life to God. He invited me to this church. I met Jesus, and the rest is history. And bro said, that's great, Harold. What about you, Luke? Luke was sitting next to Harold. He said, Harold. And bro said, really? He said, yeah. Harold and I have been buddies for a long time. We used to do lines of cocaine together. Now we do lines of Scripture together. (laughs) Ain't that cool? And bro said, that is cool, Luke. He said, Robbie, what about you? Robbie said, Luke. Tim, what about you? Robbie. And all the way down the line, not planned that way, but one guy sitting next to the guy who touched that guy, who touched that guy, who touched that guy. And that's the way it is. You just touch a life and the ripples go out long after you're dead and gone. And Bro went on to tell a story about his wife's grandmother, Nanny. Said she was the neatest woman he had ever met. She lived to be 103. He said she had a a strong, spunky spirit. Broke her hip shoveling snow at 102. And he said she was was so funny. She was hilarious. She said, you know, when you get to be 100, don't buy green bananas. That's some good advice right there. You know, 300 people, 300 people came over for an open house on her 100th birthday. 
But you see what Nanny did. She never went to college. She never had much money, never had a driver's license. For 50 of her 103 years, she was widowed. But she decided early on in her life, she wasn't going to float around accidental life. And she was going to put her life into the hands of the destiny maker. And she was going to make a difference with her life. And so you know what she did? She poured her life and her faith and her love into her six daughters that she raised in that little bitty house with one bathroom. Seven women, one bathroom. Now, how does that work? And you know what, what they did, those six girls? They turned around, they poured their lives and their love and their faith into their three or four kids. And you know what those three or four kids did? They, they turned around, they poured their love, their life, their faith into their three or four kids. And hundreds of people came to that humble house to say thank you to this humble, little, wrinkled woman sitting in the corner for, for the way she touched their lives because of the ripples that went out all those decades. And Bro was one of them because one of those six daughters was Molly, who had daughter Debbie, who led Bro to Jesus Christ. His life was changed. She became his wife. And some of you, some of you who work with children, you are touching many lives. And who knows whose lives they're going to grow up and touch, and whose lives they're going to grow up and touch, and whose lives they're going to grow up and touch, all because you said, I'm going to put my life into the hands of the destiny maker, and I'm going to make some ripples with my life. Now, don't you want to really live? Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. He said, only those who are willing to throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the good news, will ever know what it means to really live, to really, really live. We'll ever know what it means to experience that abundant life that he came to offer, that he came to give. And isn't that your preferred future? And don't you want to really live? And I think you have a choice. Again, you can choose to float around accidental-like, like a feather on a breeze, or, or you can place your life into the hands of the destiny maker this morning and you can make some ripples with your life for Jesus Christ. And I've given plenty of examples, a whole lot of stories this morning. So what about you? What are you going to do in 2022? What kind of ripples are you going to, to start making for the kingdom and for eternity in big ways and small ways? What kind of investments are you going to make with your one and only life? And who, who are you going to invest in in 2022 for Christ's sake? Let's start rippling. Now let's start making some ripples. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, would you stand? Let's, let's uh, bow together. Lord God, we, we just stand and applaud your amazing, wonderful grace. Thank you for the power you have to transform lives through the Lord Jesus, to transform anybody's life, no matter how far we've gone, God, 
or where we've been. I thank you for having a real plan for our lives, for having dreams for us, for thinking of us before you laid the earth's foundations. That blows me away that you had me on your mind. You had us on your mind. Thank you, God. And we pray for anybody here this morning who needs to throw up their hands like I did when I was 15, like Derek did when he was in his mid-20s, or like Harold did in his 50s, or like Nanny did. But God, to, to surrender to your leadership and begin to follow your voice, And watch your plans unfold for our lives as we live each day. Father, it's it's amazing to me that you would forgive us. That you would clean us up. And then that you would use us. So God, we, we stand before you right now saying, do all the above. Rescue us, forgive us, clean us up, use us. Ripple in us and through us. And thank you so much for giving us hope in a future. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we're dismissed, I I just want to direct your attention, as we do every week, over to the organ. We have prayer counselors. This morning, you may have a physical need. You may have a need for wisdom. You have a decision that you're making. Or maybe, maybe today is that day when you get off the fence and you decide, I, I want to trust Jesus Christ with my life. I want to invite him into my heart as my Savior. I want to give him the, the wheel of my life as I go forward into 2022. If that's the case I just pray you'll have the courage to come forward and to meet with one of the the prayer counselors. They, They will guide you. They will help you. They will pray with you. And you'll have a brand new beginning to this coming year. Well, let's pray together. And and now, child of God, wherever your feet might lead you, and wherever in God's providence you might tarry. May the blessing of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest and abide with you both now and forevermore. Amen.